0: And now I'm like obligated to do this. Like even if I didn't want to, I'm like, well, don't really have a choice now because like knowing that there's this bad practice going on and knowing that it, it takes something that I enjoy doing, I'm good at doing, and I and I can truly be myself. I don't have to be a character. Not a lot of people get that in our space.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So I mean, like looking at it um, from, I guess, two degrees back, I'm like, well, I got a pretty, pretty good opportunity that not many people can say they get, um, even doing things ethically, but let alone in a space where it's like, it's warranted beyond words.
1: What is happening Welcome back to your favorite podcast, the great podcast. I'm some Haley and I am joined by Corey Hageman today, an absolute whiz in coaching and PEDs and female usage and maintaining your femininity while using PEDs. I mean, this conversation was fantastic and left me respecting Corey even more than I already did when I've known this woman for about four or five years and seen her climb the ranks as a professional bikini competitor. Men and women alike, you guys are really in for a special treat with this show. Get ready. I'll see you inside. So, Corey, you're not a big fan of the Neuralink. No, you, you don't think you're going to get it. Why not? Your brain is already so powerful.
0: I I keep reflecting back to that Black Mirror episode. I mean, it was just like season one yeah. where you just have that constant movie, that film of memories playing. And that's the energy I'm picking up. Uh, that scares me. That scares me a lot. But, I mean, I need, I need more information. I'm not against it. I just... Uh,
1: Don't you feel like, you feel like we're trending that direction anyways, like no matter what we choose to do, it's almost like we're going to end up doing something of the, like, have you seen, um, it's either Apple or Google. I'm pretty sure it's Apple. They have a little thing you'll like put on your, on your chest, like wear it on your shirt. And when you get a notification or whatever, you'll stick your hand out and it'll point it at your hand and it'll like read like the, a phone screen will basically be projected onto your hand
0: shut up that is not a thing how okay so how do i turn that on do not disturb like do i just go like do i just tell my neural link like in, in immediate airplane mode because I, I don't i have a feeling we're on the same page about this yeah. but like when you go straight airplane mode like for real yes. it is so freeing especially with the line of work yes and more notifications no i don't want that i want yeah. less i actually want them to withhold them based i want the neural to integrate my heart rate Um my my hormonal undulations and I want it to determine then what notifications I receive. So, um, I, I,
1: I want it to tie into my emotional and spiritual availability for whatever the hell is coming into my phone that it feels like I need to see. <laughs>
0: and, not what I think. I want it to really know like, Hey, this is not, this is not good for you.
1: So then what happens because the next step is going to be like, there's going to, there's going to be, A an AI mock of you that you're going to be able to put into your Neuralink, and then it's basically going to be responding to people for you, but you're not going to actually be the one responding to to that. To me, Corey sounds amazing.
0: I mean, isn't that already what we do by disassociating? Like that
1: (laughs) kind of is. I don't know
0: about you guys, but yeah, when you're (laughs) when it's been when it's been a long week, month. Quarter, it's like, listen, this is this is the best version of me. Yes, but I'm gonna need that reprieve soon. So, yes, I don't know. I just maybe I'm old fashioned with thinking, like I'm kind of kind of on the path of already doing that.
1: Yeah, I feel you on that. I love that. I, as soon as Neuralink drops, Corey, I'm in. How do I get first in line? Because I just I'm buying into the hype on this one. I think what you I believe in human innovation. Um, have you seen that Netflix show, bad doctor, or whatever it's called?
0: No, no, it's on my list.
1: Um, I I've only watched one episode so far. Well, I watched it about three weeks ago. So my recall, it's about how much TV I watch. <laughs> that was the last time my TV was on. I watched one episode about three weeks ago. Um, it's about this guy who had this like super innovative surgery for the trachea. And he was taking these patients that were terminally ill or they they were already dying. And he was performing this surgery on them, Corey. And at first, everything looks good and well and promising. There's kids, there's adults. He's like the last line of hope that they have. And then they just have these like horrendous deaths. Mm-hmm. And he says in the, the first episode of the documentary, so I don't have a lot of information on it. I don't know how this thing ends up. But he says the only way or the fastest way for humans to innovate and evolve further fastest is by humans being the ones who are the ones in the lab rats. They're the ones actually evolving and innovating within themselves. And he made it out to seem that he didn't think it was this, moral disservice but what was interesting was the family members of these people they like didn't really care very much at least in the first episode they're like well they were going to die anyway so like they died for a cause and like humanity got better for that um there's parts of that i agree with there's parts of that i don't agree with the whole like morbid death thing i'm not really on board with um but human innovation is as it pertains to pharmacology humans have been the one doing it on themselves main test rats like since oh, yeah. like, the beginning of you know f- pharmacology even really being a thing it's always been done on humans first um so as it pertains to leaving the neuralink item i'm going to be first in line as it pertains to hopping into the realm of bodybuilding and in the fitness scope I have this thing, Corey, where I say, when the data and the anecdotes don't match, the anecdote is never lying. What we are seeing happen in the anecdote is real. It's happening. It's tangible. We we see it. We know that it's happening. And a human body is a body that is very unbelievably intricate. And at the same time, there's some things that are wildly simple about it. Whereas a data set is, you know, somewhat intricate, somewhat simple, but these are two different things. And what I love about the bodybuilding community is that we've always been the innovators as it pertains to physiology and pharmacology. And that's where you've come in. You've cut out a fantastic niche for yourself as a leader of the female performance enhancing drug sector. Why? Why are you so interested in it? Why do you love it?
0: Uh I'm unwell. That that's really that's the best <laughs> way to put it. I when I when there is a problem and I say a problem uh very loosely, mm-hmm. when there's something I don't understand, I'm relentless in that pursuit of understanding it. And I think I mean, just to you know how much information there is in bodybuilding that is strictly anecdote, and I wanna circle back to that because I was just having this conversation recently with, it it is like a huge, huge stink of mine when people convolute evidence-based with anecdote without specifying. I'm completely okay. And I actually think it is important from an innovation standpoint that we do provide anecdote because that, that breeds curiosity Mm -hmm. and without it, then we're just relying on that very concrete, that dry data, which y'all know, I love, love the dry data, but it is a snapshot. I mean, the analogy I like to use is like you're shooting in 24 frames a second. Like, yeah, you look at the stills, but there's this constant adjustment happening. You're not getting the context in between. Mm-hmm. So that anecdote sometimes at times can fill in that gap, mm-hmm. give you a clearer picture. But in our space, you know, with educators, um, I want to believe they don't do it on purpose. That's just, that's the mindset I I think is easier to sleep at night with, but there are a lot of people who will throw in the evidence base, identify as someone who only speaks from a place of scientific, um, I don't know, scientific backing, but they start cherry picking and throwing in opinions without that specificity, without that disclosure. And I think that's how We end up where we are today on the female side of things, where people are like, oh, hey, well, what kind of anabolics do I take if I have a hormonal IUD? It's like, Jesus Christ, like, what, where are you getting this from? You have a lot of words. You have no context. Let's, let's start so much, uh, so much simpler with why, why is anabolics, why are these even on the table? Why, why have you come to the idea or the, um, the question that because of this input, now your approach to enhancements needs to be that that different.
1: I am going to briefly interrupt this podcast to ask you to leave a five-star review and rating on whatever platform you're listening. And if you do this and screenshot and send it to the grower. Instagram page, you are going to be entered to win a $100 Amazon gift card. We're going to be picking people every other week and listen the show gets like 10, maybe 15 reviews per week. So your odds are going to be pretty high in there. So if you do that for me, it would be an amazing help. Let's get back to the show. So many little nuggets in there that I want to dive into. You see me taking notes as we go, and I got four things out of that. So the entire episode is going to be based on your pre-logs you just gave us. Um, the information overload, Corey good God, everyone has an opinion. Everyone. Everyone. The challenging part I see about opinions is the more sensationalized they become. I mean, I see this in my content right now. The more sensationalized I make that, the more views it gets, the more curiosity it gets. People love having that. It's the TikTok. TikTokification of our brains. What's where's the purple cow. And if you can create the purple cow, then you're going to get attention. And if you can create attention, you start making money. And so now you're getting positive reward feedback loops on getting attention through being the purple cow through saying things that are sensationalized. And then all of a sudden you end up in like On the other side of the freaking highway, how did you get there really far off base? But you can't go back because these people's entire income is like based over there. Part of this is, yes, consumers need to be more educated. All right, cool. If that was the only thing we needed, then you and I wouldn't even be on a podcast right now because everyone would just have educated themselves properly. So, Corey, how can you tell someone's full of shit? When you you personally, when you're scrolling Instagram or you're talking to someone, there has to be a filter that you're like, this person doesn't fucking know what they're doing.
0: It's the degree in which they rely on the word hormones while <laughs> remaining extremely nebulous. I want to <laughs> go back to what you said because it, it's such a it's such a prevalent thing we see today. Mm-hmm. It's all carrot, no stick. So you have these brands, these people that are early 20s. Like when we look back when we were 20, 21, if we had the opportunity to make six figures working from our bed or couch home, taking pictures of our physique and making skits, I understand it. I empathize with it. It would be very hard to turn down. But because there's no, um, I want to use the word policy, but I already, I can already anticipate where that's going to go because there is no, ability to police the the negative reinforcement the stick that that doesn't exist in our space so you have people who not only are encouraged but can get away with it and in turn like even the harm they're doing there's no governing body or even um competitor uh, another another influencer who's going after and like and, and not even like being like shitty just calling them out like somebody's like hey like you are causing harm by the information you're putting out um that's a whole whole thing to unpack Mm -hmm. but how do i know someone's full of shit it's the degree in which they rely on buzzwords um knowing that their lexicon is very limited and the frequency of sensationalized topics are they always are they always grasping for that because like if that's their thing that's their thing but like that kind of person in real life if that's someone you knew who like every time you interacted with them you only got like the big the uh, the big news and it, and there was there were always like abrupt yeah. highs and lows um, positive, negative news you'd be like well okay this this isn't reality there is monotony here mm-hmm. there's mundane natures of people's lives where why don't i hear about that i tend to question the agenda then
1: Fascinating. I've never quite thought of it like that. I, I I like that. I think that's a really, that's a firm thing for people to be able to grasp onto. If there's never anything just normal, sometimes things are just normal, and sometimes your content is just normal, and sometimes what you're talking about is just normal. Not 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 everything is super sexy in nature. I do have a caveat. I want to throw at you. Yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong. You have a mission that you really want to save women from having negative experiences with PEDs, coaching, all of that. I would say that's kind of your overarching mission.
0: Yes. And even more specific, giving them the ability to make a choice that otherwise they wouldn't realize they're making, giving them that autonomy.
1: Beautiful. Beautiful my caveat would be your, would you be as valuable as you are? Because you are a very powerful and valuable asset to this industry. Would you be as valuable as you are? If that mission was actually accomplished in terms of people kind of have to have bad experiences to realize what the good ones actually are. And they have to go through the muck to figure out who the good people actually are that, it's 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 a conundrum that bothers yeah. me as my morality within how I operate has, you know, uh, I'm not 26-year-old egotistical Justin that's like winning Olympia at all costs. It's much more about longevity of the athlete. How long can we compete? How many times can we prep and get peeled in the healthiest manner possible, which is not healthy, but can we get health back quickly after so we can do this again? There's part of this whole thing that, we almost have to have these really bad experiences and people almost have to screw up because you're 23 years old and you think that the clock is really ticking much faster than it is on you. And you think that this is the way that you have to get to the top because the 33 year old person whose clock is actually ticking has to do this to be able to get to the next step as a competitor. You feel like those bad experiences are a little bit valuable in terms of you spreading your message. And if people didn't have them, would people listen the way that they do now?
0: No, no, they wouldn't. That's the, that's the, um, it's the paradox here is that for this to matter, what I'm doing, which I hate, I like, I I don't know if you can tell, I hate, uh, I hate how that sounds like, like mission, like, because, because I, I, I think I still live in the world of like, listen, I'm just, I'm just telling you, telling you what i learned like telling you the things that i'm seeing take it with a grain of salt uh throw it out if you want whatever at least you even warrant it's your black box warning if it doesn't hold weight for you it doesn't hurt my feelings
1: mm-hmm.
0: would there even be the consideration if people weren't having the frequency of bad experiences that they are it's very unlikely but i think that's kind of the beauty in this is that where i'm at i'm extremely extremely process oriented even with this um if i didn't feel passionate about putting out this information for the few like i can't conceptualize the amount of people that anything i put out touches it's not real i i didn't grow up with a lot of money i was way better, i was in a better position than a lot of people but um the same thing applies with with understanding like finances and individuals who are very well off now. I can't conceptualize it because that isn't a reality.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: There's a ceiling there. Mm-hmm. it it's the same thing with the impact. again, i don't I don't like that word. I wish I could think of a better one, but whenever I do get messages and get the feedback, you know this hey, like i you you just saved me years of being drugged through the mud by functional practitioners who I think everyone should be keto and and uh should be on uh suspended formulas. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I I think where we're at now, it's like I don't think I realized how much help people actually needed. And in turn now that's that's like well And now I'm like obligated to do this. Like even if I didn't want to, I'm like, well, I don't really don't really have a choice now because like knowing that there's this bad practice going on, and knowing that it it takes something that I enjoy doing, I'm good at doing, and I and I can truly be myself. I don't have to be a character. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: That's not a lot of people get that in our space. Mm -hmm. So I mean, like looking at it. From, I guess, two degrees back, I'm like, well, I got a pretty, pretty good opportunity that not many people can say they get um, even doing things ethically, but let alone in a space where it's like, it's warranted beyond words.
1: I think when you reach a point of this space where there's not much ethical money being made. And your value and impact drive, I know you dislike that word, but for for lack of better terminology, is based in a place where you feel like, and for the record, I feel like with your mission as well, you're doing things with integrity and you're almost a black sheep because of that. (laughs) but I love that. I, I, I think it's fantastic. There's been a massive shift in my coaching style from like, you know, like I said, when I was chasing these Olympia titles, that's not not a thing that's real. That's not a tangible, that's not a, (sighs) if I could go back and chat with 26 and 27 year old Justin, I thought that that would mean something that it was just never going to mean for me. It was like, you were going to accomplish that goal. And then what's next? It doesn't change your life. It actually doesn't get you any more clients It, you know, I, I've never won a pro show. I've, I've been fortunate enough to have six IBB wins under my belt and no one has ever hired me because they were like, you know what you, your client won that pro show That doesn't exist. You know why people hire me, Corey, because my clients talk highly of me, not because you win shows. It just does. It's, it's, it just doesn't. That's not what gets you people and and coaches have it very wrong in the space. And I think bodybuilding coaches, functional health practitioner coaches, whatever they're called, they're both doing the same thing where bodybuilding coaches are like, well, more wins equals more, you know, whatever. These functional People think, well, more improved lab work that I can post on Instagram means more clients coming in. And you can convince anybody that they have adrenal dysfunction. You can convince <laughs> anybody that they have irregularly cortisol. Well, because because you do. You, fuck, dude, look at the world we live in. Yeah. <laughs> like, you can convince anybody that they are feeling things that might not actually be felt just based on the verbiage, the way you speak to them, the way that you put your message out. And I see it quite often um, happen in the space and there's fancy terminologies that are used and it convolutes people's heads and it makes them all fuzzy. And well, you know what? Like um, I, I, I th- this is coming off of a live show from someone I went to the other night. He got really stressed and s- something that men do, Corey, I'm sure you know this. Men oftentimes like kind of feel their testicular region and make sure everything's cool. Make sure everything's <laughs> good, right? And he was giving himself a little exam and he's like, oh shit. I think there's like a lump down there that hasn't been down there because he's so stressed out with all these things that were going on in his life. And it was James Smith. James Smith is doing a live show world tour and he's like, oh shit. Like is my something happening like on my testicle and time goes on. He's like making sure to stay up with whatever's going on. And he's convinced himself that there's a lump going on there. So he goes into the doctor and the doctor's like, no, dude, like you're fine. You're just stressed out. But that exact anecdote is happening in so many people. Yeah, dude, you get labs done after you have a cup of coffee, and after you had a stressful week at work, and you got labs done on Friday. You probably, you're—I bet you look like you have adrenal dysfunction. Yeah, bet your cortisol looks like it's shot. I bet all of these things are happening because we can create a scenario in which this happens, and then the issue becomes people capitalize so heavy on that. I mean, capitalize, I've seen $20,000 price points for things that take me two months to fix and you can pay me a thousand bucks and I'll get it done. This is so easy. Um, With all of that going on in the space, how do you stay above water with your integrity? You've always operated from, at least with me. So like we're besties, but we've been friends for quite some time, like four or five years now. Mm -hmm. You've always operated with such integrity how do you stay above water when the waters are so murky? Is it an identity with yourself or there practices you undergo? Is it just serving the ideal client? I I, want to know how your vision stays so clear.
0: I think it largely roots back to being raised Catholic and being told that lying and having any kind of, uh, uh, any kind of ill intention will damn you. Mm -hmm. So drilled into me, and I'm not a practicing Catholic to be clear. This is uh, an attempt at a a small joke. I, I think early on, like I I was told just like doing things like that, like it's going to haunt you. And I, and I really believed it. Like it worked Yeah. growing up, um, getting into the sport. It, I mean, the simple, the simple way to explain it, it feels good to do good. And how fucked do you have to be to be scamming the way that these people are scamming? Like, yo, I'm, I'm trying to do my best and I still can't sleep at night. Cause I'm like, Oh man, like, should I like, should I, should I build a decision tree for this client till I give her Like I have issues with Mm -hmm. with Mm -hmm. my own ability to feel like this is good enough. I can't imagine the um, psychological turmoil If I was doing things knowing that like, yeah, you're capitalizing on arguably one of the most vulnerable components of someone's life. I mean, like you think about it, even very secure people, you wake up in the morning, especially on the female side, but also on the male side. You wake up in the morning, how you look has the ability to fuck your day subconsciously, um, consciously, Mm -hmm. and depending on where you are in that journey. That is something that like some people, they they never progress past. I don't like how I look today. So I'm going to have a bad day. That is the, that is the, the biosphere they live in. It is simply, I don't have control over how I look. So let me go try to correct that. I think when I started coaching, cause I started coaching way too early. Like I, I had, I was, I mean, it's funny because I, I was that oh I did two shows. Granted, I was self coached. A lot yeah. of people can't say that.
1: Yeah.
0: My first two shows, but uh, really, a lot of my shows been self coached. Yeah, but I got into coaching, and I had, I I, I want to say innately, I understood like this is something that for me- myself is incredibly vulnerable to disclose, and I know that. It leaves me open being that vulnerable. It leaves me open to getting taken advantage of. So in turn, like how do I, how do I police myself? You shouldn't, you shouldn't have to question that every day. Mm-hmm. You shouldn't have to check in with your inner judge and be like, are we are we doing things ethically today? Mm-hmm. That should be intuitive. And if it's not, you might not want to be in this space. You we want you want to address that, but like that's terrifying to think that people are coming to you with something so close to their heart that affects them in in a lot of decisions that they make. I know that sounds like sounds very dramatized saying it that way, but specifically in our line of work, people are paying in a ridiculous amount of money to feel like they have more control over this, whether they actually get there or not. They it's they're paying for the perception. That they can offload this responsibility of not hating how they look, or hopefully, liking how they look eventually.
1: I think folks in our space lack a lot of emotional continence, and just should yeah. basically just be emotional intelligence. And due to that, I think Corey, a lot of these people don't think they're doing anything wrong. I, I mean, I, again, I look back at twenty-seven-year-old Justin. I didn't think I was doing anything wrong, and. I was doing some things wrong. Wow. Like it, it, it wasn't yeah. good. It was like when it all costs type of mentality. And then after the win, it would just be a sigh of relief. And it was never this great barrier that you jumped over and finally you were happy with your work. It was just more so a sigh of relief. I want to get into your process orientation. I know that you said you're very process oriented, really top to bottom, how you conduct yourself on social media. Obviously, I see it in the work with your clients. You have women come in who are just sick of how they look and they've tried everything and they have experience with coaches that over-sensationalize hormones and their mentalities are just wrecked. Talk about some things you take these people through.
0: I think indirectly helping clients understand that a lot of a lot of coaching is built on gaslighting them into creating these scenarios that don't exist adrenal dysfunction um uh metabolic inflexibility
1: i have not heard that one wow that's just that's just not how can we just like Metabolism is a, bo- a process of millions and millions of cells and enzymes in your body. There's stuff, it's there's that's not a thing. That's not oh my God. That's a thing. People say that. Oh my God. Yeah. I, I just I
0: got dealt a shitty hand. It's harder for me. And and I I I say that um not from a place on like wanting to put someone down if like if, because I know these are real struggles, but it's also like, hey, I get it. Let me pull. The veil back for you. You're gonna love this. I promise. When I when I show you how, um, how like to the degree you were getting scammed, it's it's gonna suck because you're gonna realize how much money you've wasted. Yeah. But I promise, things are gonna get better from here because you're gonna realize like it did not take what you were convinced it did. It was actually so much simpler. And oh, guess what? You don't need. This higher education, you don't need the education I have to, which, like, <laughs> there are people in the space with who are much more qualified to give this advice and to, to assist these individuals. But these are simple skills the skill of dieting, the skill of understanding energy balance, and then knowing, okay, where do I put my efforts? That's not something that requires, uh, it, it doesn't require high IQ. Mm-hmm. It requires organization and uh, really a lot of honesty around am I doing what I'm reporting? Is that, is what I'm reporting, is that actually happening in practice?
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There's a large element of this that simply just needs to be based in truth. The issue, it's kind of like the white coat theory, Mm -hmm. which is if someone with credentials that you deem are appropriate credentials tells you something, then you believe it and you're going to run at it at all costs. And typically it's applied to doctors. Although like, I don't say it in a negative way. Cause there's people that hinge on every single word that I say, every single word that you say, and you and I's intentions are very well within a realm of being positive within the industry. doesn't mean we're perfect. It doesn't mean we are perfect does not mean we do not screw things up. It's just, if you screw up, I just hope it's with good intention. <laughs> like yeah. at some point you're going to, you know, drop the pooch on something. Right. Um, manipulating that, leveraging that power over somebody where, you know, they hinge on every single word that you say, and you can become a salesman or you can become a serviceman. And I, I like staying on that serviceman side of things. Even when I am conducting like a sales call, if I can't help you, I would like to be able to think that I will tell you, I can't help you. If I can help you, then I would love to bring you in and and, and get to work there's this scarcity mindset that goes around everywhere. And I think people have it because maybe their intentions aren't aligned, um, in terms of how they're serving the clients or maybe they actually do like need money that bad. I have absolutely no idea. So they just, you know, back to the over sensationalist talk, but Corey, what's fascinating to me, if we go back about five years, I, if I get 10 applications from females and there's a part on the application there was back then. Now I I don't, do applications you have to hit me up and work through a a little bit of an exclusivity um, thing to get to me but I used to ask do you take PEDs or are you interested in taking PEDs and I would say out of every 10 back then there was like 3 or 4 that were like yes and yes now if I still had that it's going to be 9 out of 10 what's changed (laughs) um
0: There is this misrepresentation that the success athletes have is attributed to exclusively the PED. Um, Now, I think why this happens is because there's a lack of criteria, and this is something on the business side I know you relate to. If you don't have parameters to establish performance, are you are you taking any kind of risk? Because you can't technically lose because anything you do is is good enough. Well, in the sport itself, people I think approach, maybe they've competed once or they've dieted once and they're like, okay, did I struggle getting as lean as I need to? Did I have as much muscle as I needed to for the degree of competition it is? Pass, fail. Yes, no. Um, the ones that fail that that are like I wasn't as conditioned or I was under muscled well it's pretty sobering to hear that your best effort was not enough because I don't think um I think it was Eric Helms who said this it's like you can't conceptualize something that that doesn't exist like the mind can't can't really do that like you you have points of reference but conceptualizing like the the imagery visualizing like in sports psychology I mean it's a really powerful tool but why is it so fucking hard for people to do mm-hmm. you are conceptualizing someone that is not you mm-hmm. like on a like a super uh, on an id level like mm-hmm. that is not something that exists you're trying to find okay well Maybe there is a point where I could be that person, but what does that look like? What does that take? Because all I'm being told is I'm going to have to work harder. It's again a lot of ambiguity with how I become that person. There's not a blueprint for it. But I could just take this thing that I know a lot of people are taking, and every person I talk to is like, Yeah, I did this. I did this. That seems to be working. It seems like a hell of a lot easier than figuring out the bottlenecks in my program because it might not even be the program itself. The program might eat awesome. It might be completely optimal, but it's the things that are not reported. It's the athlete who is hundred percent adherent and on plan that for whatever reason, they just, the results are there. They are lackluster. And as the coach, you're like, Jesus, like I know what kind of deficit they're in. What is happening? Mm-hmm. Like communications there, what is falling through? It's always what's falling through. That's typically the culprit. It's never the stuff the client knows is the issue. It's never the, I go out to eat once we, it's like, what do you do what, do what do you do when you get home after you go out to eat after we discuss a, a cheat meal and we talk about it being within these parameters like let's go into the behaviors do you taste every single time that you cook mm-hmm. do you take a little extra when you're you're not present when you're just like in the kitchen do you kind of use going into the kitchen as a reprieve it's those habits that i i am so like i'll die on this hill mm-hmm. those habits are the culprit most of the time For majority of people, it's not a lack of PEDs. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. PEDs will facilitate a process that is already happening. They will not create the process unless we're talking about trend and we're not talking about trend. We're not talking about that for the female PED user. We're talking about things that enhance your ability to build muscle and things that enhance your ability to lose fat. Mm -hmm. That's it. If, if you're not in a deficit, good luck taking in T4 T3. Mm-hmm. It's not going to do what you think it's going to do. And even if you're in a deficit, it's only going to do it by a very small amount.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, that was beautiful. I have uh, uh, something to add. I was listening to uh, Jeff Bezos' podcast two nights ago, and he was talking about how customer obsessed Amazon is. And that's what drew me into the podcast. I was kind of referencing the evolution of myself as a coach. And with that evolution, there's been a huge evolution of TM to where myself, I used to be very focused on the clients that could win the Olympia, right? And now uh, I'm just very focused on how amazing of a process can a client have while they're with TM. And it's a very, it's a much more fulfilling place to be. And so I'm looking for these things that he calls paper cuts. And the big things are easy to focus on. PEDs, training videos, you win shows, did you hit your diet, did you not, your coach sent you a loom video response, coach is happy, coach gave me things to work on. Those are big things. Mm -hmm. The paper cuts are the little tiny intangibles that Justin and Corey have no control over. You're cooking dinner for your kids and you had a bite of macaroni and cheese and that one isolated habit incident is not an incident it's a habit and you're doing that in other places in your life so if I prescribe 400 cal- calories of cardio you're doing 400 are you doing 368 and then you're tired if I prescribe three sets on a leg extension and I put a rest period in there because I want your heart rate to stay a little bit higher during your training for whatever reason are you doing it or are you you know, not doing it. Um, I want you to take 40 micrograms of Clint, but instead you take 80 and all of your biofeedback is now screwed because of that. And we reached this plateau point much sooner than we should have because you were doubling the dosage. Um, that is common coaches okay. listening to this. It is very rare for your clients to be taking the actual dosage that you prescribed. You have to drill into these people. Truly, truly, that is, I will give that to any coach. You, If you say six milligrams of test prop a week, it better be six milligrams because bad things will happen. You're going to reach a plateau. There's a process orientation that plays out here. So if you tell me that every night, one of the kids' double-stuffed Oreos gets eaten by the competitor in prep. And it might only be 80 calories or 90 calories, whatever a double-stuffed Oreo is. It's not about the calories. It's about the habits that are stemming off of the fact that every single night you have one Oreo, so every single day you likely miss your water and maybe you're not salting your meals. And I bet you did 240 grams of rice rather than 225 grams of rice. And these little tiny paper cuts – add up to then bleed out. And now all of a sudden your coach is calling you like, dude, we're six weeks out and like things aren't yeah. looking right. Like what's going on. And you don't realize that these little things, the paper cuts, because the macro is all being handled, that the micro is actually what's holding you back. Um, With that like though, that. Corey, uh, so it's, it's, it's very challenging to tell someone that you think that they're cheating on the plan.
0: <laughs> I, oh God, you opened up so many, so many things I want to go into, yeah. um, on the coach's front and the, uh, creative non-adherence with drugs. Oh, I get lit go up in. about that. Go like in. that, that is the thing that like, I, I, t- I shouldn't, I should be mature enough to know it has nothing to do with me. Mm-hmm. I take it personally, mm-hmm. like I will be like pacing back and forth about it. I'm like the audacity, like you came to me for safer use. Like, yeah. and now you think I'm gonna look at this lab work and for one second, believe that three and a half milligrams a week yeah. took you to three, 400 nanograms a deciliter. You're out of your fucking mind. Not a That's chance it. in hell, not, the, not a chance. A- <laughs> ALT, AST, get fucked. I yeah. know what you're doing. Like yeah. I know that you're not taking the dose that we talked about. Now, it's okay. Now I have to figure out. It's funny. I did actually, um, for school, we had a, a research project. And it was create, uh, talk about a conflict with a client. And I used I used this exact scenario as a client taking uh, a dose that was not prescribed. And it was for communications. I was like, this is how you have to approach this client, like textbook with non-adherence. Mm-hmm. And it was actually really cathartic, too. I'm like... Yeah, okay. Well, you explain to them why it's necessary for y'all to have this relationship. But on the flip side, like I don't really have a lot of patience for working with people who can't be honest with me
1: mm-hmm. because
0: I I'm very confident in my ability to create that environment and to do everything within my power to facilitate at least a relationship where we don't have to agree on everything, but the lying that can't, that can't be a part of it, Mm -hmm. you know? So there there's that component, um, there you have, you have so many things that play a role in how that person reports what they do versus what they do. And I actually, I want to, I don't, I don't want to poke holes in it, but I want to add to the Oreo example. Mm -hmm. I don't mind actually, if it is just that one Oreo where I start to question it is when it's the potential. Now, is it two Oreos as leptin decreases, as ghrelin increases? Is it now I'm going to have a third Oreo because I'm lean enough and my coach gave me so, like a, uh, just the slightest amount of positive reinforcement and that I might be ready early. So now I'm going to I'm going to push that. And then we'll just deal with the consequences later. If it's that, well, then I I really have to question. It's not the isolated incident. And actually there is like, I myself have a little bit of a slush fund every day that I'm like, these are my ground calories. Mm -hmm. These are the calories that I'm like, I'm okay, not being tracked. It's an authority thing. Mm -hmm. I'm like, even to myself, I'm like, I got to figure out how to manage this. But I also know the potential. I know that my potential is cut off past that that certain threshold where I know, hey, this is built in and I'm not going to get crazy with it, but it is something that I'm okay. I'm okay being a little a little loosely tracked. Yeah.
1: I am going to briefly interrupt this podcast to ask you to leave a five-star review and rating on whatever platform you're listening in. If you do this and screenshot and send it to the GrowerDye Instagram page, you are going to be entered to win a $100 Amazon gift card. We're going to be picking people every other week. And listen, the show gets like 10, maybe 15 reviews per week. So your odds are going to be pretty high in there. So if you do that for me, it would be an amazing help. Let's get back to the show. I like how you said the little slush fund in there. I think that that's a powerful – I want to run something by you. I chatted on a a consult call earlier with, I have seen better results in athletes who have a more flexible approach to their day-to-day lifestyles than when things were unbelievably rigid in terms of, even in contest preps, if you really have this urge to go out and have a glass of wine with your partner – then I'm going to be okay with that because the stress decrease from you having that outlet versus you having to bottle it up, throw it away, act like it doesn't exist, cause tension or resistance in your relationship. Maybe have an argument because you guys haven't had any interconnected personal time that that's your vice is you have a glass of wine together. So like allotting for that, within plans and protocols has yielded much greater progression and mental outcomes with the athletes that I'm working with as opposed to just like being extremely stingy I used to be that guy I used to be that you missed one thing you did you did this wrong. Like you're not serious. Like you don't want this. Like why are we even here? Like you're pulled out of prep. Like yeah, I used to be that dick. I'm sorry for anyone that I was that much of a dick to. But it was because I was inept as a coach. I, I wasn't. I, I didn't have the education as a coach. So you like allotting that for yourself or for your clients too?
0: For for myself. Mm-hmm. For clients, it is something. It is something. It r- really is dependent on. Yeah their skill that they're at with dieting and self-reporting. I think it's reckless. So okay, I'll I'll parallel this to giving a child, a grade school child, autonomy and decision making around food
1: mm-hmm.
0: or bedtime. There are some things that at certain points in development you really you don't need options because you don't have the value in you don't see the value in delaying that gratification mm-hmm. and i think depending on where the person is contextually that that should be considered now when it comes to those that the polarizing approaches you can take with having someone be to the t like to, it, everything everything that i ask you to do you're doing and there are no ifs ands, and buts i think that can become problematic for a lot of reasons I don't think uh, surface level, that there's anything wrong with that, mm-hmm. but I think that to get lasting results, and I, I see this in, in personal relationships too, if you want to see a behavior change, you don't tell them what to do. You don't tell them to change. That's a dick move. Like, mm. you show them the value of changing, and then you let them decide to do that. You will never, like, I absolutes, I know, You'll never get someone to do something for the right reasons if they're forced to do it. And I think there is a lot that can be gained by letting them come to that conclusion on their own. So, teaching a client, like, hey, like, I have this free will, I have this autonomy, and I'm responsible. I'm responsible for the consequences. So, if I don't report this as tightly as I should, well, then the next check in I have. I'm probably not going to get the feedback that I want, and I'm probably going to have explaining to do, or we're going to have to debrief why this occurred. And maybe I'll lose some of that freedom. They, they always, they have as much freedom as they want, mm-hmm. but maybe I'll lose that confidence in my ability to navigate that space. But I think really, if you want like, the best results with someone that, that are imprinted, it is them deciding they're going to do something on their own accord. It's not because they, it's not because I told them to. it's they're like what she's saying makes sense. I believe in it. I know that she wouldn't tell me this for any other reason than it's the best advice at this given point,
1: like a healthy manipulation almost there's a large part of leadership that's manipulation. I mean, let's be quite frank, our clients work with us because they like who we are, people by people and if you like who somebody is, then you're going to be more vulnerable emotionally to allow them to get inside, get inside you a little bit, chat with you a little bit deeper than other people can. Like the message is in the medium, right? If your mom tells you to do something or your spouse tells you to do something versus your coach tells you to do something, you're you're going to listen to your coach because you didn't hire your mom or your spouse. You hired your coach, even though the information might be the same. Yeah, there's a healthy manipulation that can definitely occur. I have an example of this. It happened last night. I was on my walk with Peyton. Um there's an athlete that I've worked with for about a year. We have an amazing relationship. I I speak to a very deep part of her. And we we yeah, we we have a good thing going. She lacks the self-belief that I have in her. So my external belief is higher than her self-belief. And I was just walking. I was thinking, I was walking Peyton, thinking if this client just, if she gets nailed for the show that I have in mind for her, it's going to be her pro debut. She can be one of those. Oh my God. Like you won your pro debut. She can be one of those people. Yet the only thing that can stop her from that is herself. So I just shot her a message. It was past office hours. I don't go on WhatsApp after a certain time for my own mental health reasons. And I hop on WhatsApp and I just shoot her like, listen, if you get dialed, what you can do is beat this person who's of very high esteem, who we know is going to be doing a show that we're doing, And it's that little manipulation tactic right there of if you're lacking self-belief, then there's probably back to the Oreo thing. There's probably some paper cuts that are happening because Mm -hmm. you lack the self-belief to go all the way in because you're scared of what's going to happen on the other side. If I go all in and I fail, then it's just reaffirming my own self-doubt that I had. And then where do I go from here? Whereas if I can just positively or healthily manipulate her into going that extra step and maybe not allowing that paper cut to continue to pursue so that she can win a pro debut. I view that as a positive thing. And mm-hmm. there's been a lot of clients who have worked with me. I'm not sure if you've had a similar experience that are like, well, he's just a master manipulator. Whenever I get that, I'm like, my intentions are great. <laughs> I never heard anybody. So like, I, I think things are going okay. I'm not sure if that's like, I think they said it as a bad thing, but it was actually a good thing. What do you think about that within your leadership style with, I mean, Corey, the women that are hiring you idolize you. Like you are there, you're there like everything. They, they want to build a statue of you, which is dope. I think you deserve one. I think you should have a statue. Um, what's your, what's your relationship with the healthy manipulation in your leadership style?
0: I try to put myself in that same position. And I think there are people that are so guarded, even in this setting where they do put a lot of trust in me. I think they're still so guarded that the risk of directly manipulate manipulating them, it would put the relationship at risk. Mm-hmm. And like I have a client that comes to mind who very similarly she has the potential to be on the Olympia stage and do just as much as she wants in the sport, and it's you know it's kind of it's tragic in its own sense because she she is the only thing that will hold herself back like mm-hmm. she's the genetic elite like she'll do incredibly well, and it's ironic that okay, this focus, her perfection on the execution on the easy stuff it's there there's no improvement there isn't it's the work on the I guess the buy-in that she can view herself differently and foster what's required for her to be the athlete I want her to become and she wants to become I think it's the buy-in that's incredibly hard because she is someone who her intelligence is off off the chart I don't feel like manipulating her in, in that essence, which I know it has a negative connotation, but as we're talking about it, it's not negative. It is with the right intentions. It's, it is ethical. I take more of the approach with someone like that to say, listen, like I, I believe you, like this is coming from a place of, of care. I believe you will regret not applying yourself more in this regard i feel like you'll look back in five years and be like you know what i might not agree with the self-help books but Mm -hmm. let me try Mm them let me just see what's the worst that can happen oh i still have this self-deprecating nature
1: Mm
0: -hmm. cool well you know what well then that wasn't a good uh intervention let's try another one do we need to do some sound baths? we need to do some sauna time like i don't know like you you go through that Rolodex of treatment. Mm-hmm. I think it can be very hard with someone who is um, very resistant to affirmations. So, figuring out, okay, how do I convince this person that believing in themselves it doesn't make them an. Un- uh, doesn't resemble narcissistic qualities because I, I tend to see that in those athletes. It's the reservation that they they see it in others, and they're like, "I will hate myself over being what I see and what I deem to be a type of character skin that I, I don't want to live out. To, I don't want to live up to." That's the most advanced, I yeah. think.
1: Yeah, yeah that's fascinating people do hold their self-belief back because they're so scared of being viewed as being narcissistic or accidentally slipping and falling into being narcissistic when it's kind of a trait that you either got it or like you you don't it's um not necessarily it's been talked about on this show many times with some really esteemed professionals it's not something you just like accidentally end up yet i think in our space they're so many uh, our space is such an easy place for people who are narcissistic individuals to get into go and like drive their vehicle of narcissism and you know you add things like anabolics on top of that and obviously anabolics are just like money and alcohol is doing is amplifying who you already are like you know what's funny corey i tell people i started taking steroids when i got nicer (laughs) 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 <laughs> I definitely had my phase of being a piece of shit, but like overall as a human, like I got way nicer. Like they, they make me happy because I'm so freaking I'm like probably a little too happy, like <laughs> a little, probably a little too nice, but like I just, it just made me freaking nicer. And th- there's cons that come with that as well. So it's not yeah. like that's all positive stuff. You definitely uh, get hurt a lot by people that you love. Um, I want to close a loop that was simply brought up earlier. I want to leave you an open floor to speak a piece on this to folks who are tuning into this podcast that might not be familiar with your work or the function of a lot of hormonal items that happen in our body. So I'm going to give you a blank canvas. Um, My opinions are very well documented and clear, and they're easy to find out there on the interweb Um, pertaining to hormonal IUDs and health and women. And I just want you to skim through that so that that loop from earlier is closed. As I do know, that's going to be something that gets brought up. And then I want to dive into what my personal favorite, uh, performance enhancing drug stack is. And I want you to break it down and destroy it. If you hate it.
0: <laughs> I, I love it. Let's do it. Uh, yeah. So, okay. So hormonal IUDs. So well, when we're talking, We're talking about the primary goal of birth controls. And so I'll take, I'll break this down even more. IUDs are uh, an implanted device that prevent pregnancy. It is a form of birth control, the hormonal nature of it. A small amount of synthetic progesterone is released. So when we start to consider the impacts that hormonal forms of birth control have, as opposed to non-hormonal forms, for the physique athlete and, and not physique athlete as well for females as a whole, the primary goal is preventing pregnancy. That is the form of whether it's oral combination pill. Um, even when you look at like it just preventative measures in, in terms of, like using condoms like that, that is goal prevent pregnancy. Now for the athlete, who is trying to facilitate a competitive career in bodybuilding or is just trying to seek improved physique outcomes. I think oftentimes it gets lost the true weight of hormonal forms of birth control on their physique goals. So hormonal forms are the ones that have hormones in them. I I know that sounds really obvious, but it is something I I have to specify. Mm -hmm. Non-hormonal forms, my, my, recommendation my, my favorite per se would be the copper iud right. it is a non non-hormonal and it doesn't require the level of adherence um i guess if you wanted to say you were going to like self-manage with like hrt but that that isn't really a thing that mm-hmm. people do mm-hmm. um the copper iud also is much more pragmatically um sound as mm-hmm. opposed to scheduling days that you can be sexually active as opposed to not when it comes to specifically um, the impacts hormonal forms will have on your body, I mean, across the board, you're looking at downregulation of every every hormone test, estradiol, progesterone, uh, as well as precursors. You're going to see that there's a reduction in the endogenous production, so the natural production. It is your body's way. Your body is receiving the input from a very small amount of replacement hormone that is not sufficient enough to restore the levels that are needed for just optimal function, good proper function. Mm -hmm. Your body receives that input and is like, cool, you got this. I'm going to go clock out. You're no longer having that production. Well, why is this a problem? Because It does work on a feedback loop, and for the athlete who, let's say, is already um, experiencing some degree of amenorrhea, whether that be uh, adrenal, maybe maybe menopause, uh, hypothalamic amenorrhea, like these are all things that are further exacerbated by having that signal in place of "No, you're good. We we don't need you to. we, We don't need you producing this endogenously anymore." Now, specifically with testosterone, testosterone is that big key player for women and in, in their ability to their ability to be successful in this sport without having to specifically go on a cycle. Mm-hmm. If you have that naturally, if you're one of those athletes who SHPG is appropriate, your test naturally sits a little bit higher, great. You might not be in a deficit and, and you might find that physique outcomes are easier to attain that's not the case for a lot of people a lot of people are on the other end of the spectrum like this reference range we have for test is just so um misrepresented i'm like who are these unicorns I that are in the 70 80 like i've I, I got one on the leaderboard that's like 60 and yeah. i'm like Natty don't go on anything yeah, i'm that's like that's amazing
1: yeah. that's amazing um i i i think that was a fantastic was there any more you wanted to add on that breakdown
0: no i'll just i'll summarize for summarize just hey with these forms of birth control the idea that having them in place will have no impact that needs to be unpacked mm-hmm. uh for that athlete it does have an impact. It will skew all of your readings. Like, like we're talking, all of your lab work will be impacted by this, and it can have long-term outcomes. So, yeah, we're in a sport that it does require uh, very long durations of low energy availability, and with that, it's important to be aware of what we're intentionally putting our body through. Um, so, having something in place, I mean, obviously, is going to put you at a greater risk for long-term outcomes that you might not realize. Mm-hmm.
1: Beautifully said, to piggyback a tad, the hormonal birth control just simply, it really puts you in a a down-regulating cascade of hormones. And the issue is, is when young girls are put on this before the endocrine system is fully developed and then it doesn't even have a baseline that it ever was able to get to before things were interfered with, this is why it gets so difficult later on in life to teach your body to go back into, I mean, the percentage of women who took hormonal birth control in the preteen and teen years Mm -hmm. that have negative consequences 10, 20 years later is astronomical. It's almost to a point where it seems like it should be illegal (laughs) to, to, to use. It's one of the worst drugs that has ever been brought to market um when we have other forms that can do what it is accomplishing without the dysfunction that's being promoted within our endocrine system. I, I'm trying to tread as lightly as possible because I get destroyed every time I talk about this, which is great because it just drives views and traffic. Um and I make money off of it. So bring it on. <laughs> um yeah. but it's I, I I also I don't want to offend anybody's decision making processes um that have made that choice as a coach. When someone comes to me, I'm just not in position to be like, Hey, bad, don't do that. I'm, I'm not going to do that. I'm gonna let people come to their conclusions. But my God, you come to me on hormonal birth control and you want to prep for a show. All right. You're, you're asking me to, you will you use the unicorn analogy in terms of testosterone. you're basically asking me to create a unicorn out of you when you're just a mule like it's it's going to be impossible to it's it's not going to be impossible to do that there's going to be a route that this might happen but more of this is dependent on your body and its ability to respond than it is on any protocol or any you know thing that we put forth um before i dive into the ped sector to close that loop was there anything you wanted to add to the birth control
0: yes I, that was articulated so well um Think people need to understand. I think I think it's important to understand that the more conditions someone has when coming to you or I around, hey, I this is what I have in place. I'm not willing to compromise on that. I'm just this is I feel comfortable, you know, et cetera. On my end, I calibrate my expectations. I recalibrate them. Same. Because now you were asking me to do something that. I'm I'm not being lazy. I just know you're adding something in that is out of both of our controls. And the certainty I have in being able to provide the service, that's not compromised. It's just you've thrown in this environment that was not necessarily what we agreed on, maybe initially. Maybe I knew, maybe on the first call, I was like, oh, this this is what they want to do. Us I respect that. That's fine. I've had it where people don't recalibrate accordingly, and that's unfortunate. But that's that's not on me. It's mm-hmm. not on you. And I, I feel like with poaching and just um, in this realm of speaking about these topics, keeping a very clear idea around what I'm responsible for has been paramount. I'm not I'm not responsible for something that. Someone ultimately they're they're gonna do regardless. I can give them the best education, um, and I can inform them of the risk. And if if solicited, I mean, like I can give them my opinion, but I'm also not gonna tell someone what's appropriate, and I'm not gonna tell them where that line is. I'm just going to let them know based on based on their decisions and the destination they're trying to reach. Here's how we forecast this appropriately. Here's how many, uh, connecting flights it's going to take. It's not going to be one way.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Really well said. I, I, I hope that this message reaches the people that, uh, it needs to reach now onto my favorite PED cycle. Dude, I just love some growth hormone and insulin, man. I just love some GH and some insulin. I mean, my God. There's a wild... You know what? There's more women willing to take androgens than they are insulin.
0: It's kind of... It's so funny to me. (laughs) It's so
1: goofy, Corey.
0: (laughs) I I don't have a strong stance on insulin. Yeah. But I'm very honest about that. Like, I... Mm -hmm. I don't think in a lot of cases for female athletes, I don't think it's absolutely necessary. Mm -hmm. There's probably arguments to be made. And especially when we compare and contrast the types of clients I work with and the types of clients you do. Yeah. Let's
1: add some context there for like, I think you're mostly working with bikini girls.
0: Almost exclusively. Like, I Yeah. Yeah.
1: I have like five bikini girls.
0: (laughs) And that's the, that's the funny things that I'll like, yeah, you know, like the video I posted yesterday, I yeah. had men argue men losing their mind in complete spin cycles because they think <laughs> I'm saying that Anivar is not effective for men in in a foul. Fa- I'm like, oh, Christ, Anavar is like,
1: amazing. i I, I like Anavar for men a minute ton, but <laughs> i
0: it's just the the lack of context. you I know agree. these like little clickbait videos get. And with insulin, I think it's so important to understand, like, in my in my realm my demographic there might not be a need there mm-hmm. arguably isn't in yours when you're talking about accruing that much tissue and you're talking about athletes that they are trying to do something super physiological yeah. by nature i understand the rationale there and i think it, i think people can cherry pick mm-hmm. and and begin to misapply what you do maybe even what i do and in turn feel like, okay, well, that's how, that's how I want to do it. So why, why is Corey saying like, we're not going to take insulin for my second national show on the bikini, like in the bikini division? it's like, well, it's mm-hmm. probably a reason mm-hmm. probably, probably didn't just wake up to say, uh, today and decide that like, um, we're aligned on the GH big fan, yeah. big fan of GH. <laughs> yeah.
1: Amazing. Uh, it, it's amazing when it's application is precise and obviously used for the right client i don't want to see a client who's not nailing everything who like adds in this large monthly expense in terms of growth hormone to their repertoire because they're not going to get everything out of it but it really does provide building blocks for you to literally mobilize more fat to use and literally build more muscle to it's, it literally gives, it's like, so, um, I have this amazing analogy on the Phil Viz, um, Luke Carroll, that was actually my number one listened to podcast of 2023, 86,000 downloads, where we talked about growth hormone and insulin synergy. And I, uh, liked, I, I I likened the growth hormone is the construction site. That's Mm -hmm. all of the, the, the machinery, the, the foundation and the cement and the everything that's the growth hormone and then the insulin would be like the huge transportation trucks Mm -hmm. that bring things Mm -hmm. in on their back and deliver it to the construction site and then the 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 raw materials used in a construction site like the bricks and the wood that's your food and then yeah. the cranes and the um concrete pour trucks all of that's like the androgens. So that that that's my PED spin cycle um <laughs> analogy for did do you like that do you agree with that?
0: I do. I I think it's so important to be there like in which you did but for people to grasp on to growth hormone in itself creates that preparatory state. It does not build muscle inherently. Like You take growth hormone and and you need to have processes. You need to have the raw material in place. And if you don't, well, it doesn't mean that it's useless. You're going to get the benefit of it, freeing up fatty acid. But the crew on site um, from growth hormone that is then ready to build... They're just gonna kind of be standing around. They're like, hey, like whenever we get the the raw material, yeah, we'll start. But we're just we're gonna be on Instagram right now. Like yeah. we we have nothing to do. Growth hormone paired with TRT. Big fan of that's yeah, dude. Month. You know how much you know how surprised I am. How much muscle I've built in the last nine months. Just I, I thought like four four weeks in, I'm like, yeah, I'll probably have to do a cycle. Which for the record, like I'm not. Done an auxiliary anabolic cycle in the off season. Mm. Used anavar in prep. We know, hey, great. It was great for its use in an off season. Though I've always wondered, like, when am I going to have to escalate this to? And, and I just assumed I'm like probably going to be six weeks in, mm-hmm. dude. I'm at week twelve, and I'm like, how is this possible? Just like this, yeah. And it, and it's really a testament to how much can be pulled out when you're when the data reporting is on track, but when the training is polished. And I'm fortunate I've I've been able to work with like I've been able to work with um a few people who have refined my training and put me in a position where I am able to see that progress, which I didn't always have. And if if you don't have that as a client, I can completely understand why six weeks in you're like I'm not really seeing much well i mean i wasn't saying much six weeks in either but collectively you pull it together and you start to see wow like no that that is tissue that was not there
1: Mm -hmm. yep i agree with that well one of my friends um i think it was i think it was i think it was mike mike nasif i think i'm saying his last name right he made an instagram story post earlier this week and he said there's a direct correlation of the clients making the most progress are the ones that never miss training videos and the clients kind of making progress sometimes send training videos and the clients making the least amount of progress are the ones that just never send training videos and always have the excuse. And my God, I could not agree more. I'm getting on consultation calls with clients and I'm like, how comfortable are you in the gym recording your training? Because our greatest limiting factor is your ability to train. And when we nail your training down, you progression process is going to be guaranteed to where every seven days or you know sometimes if it's like a 44 year old woman who doesn't have high natural testosterone who's not on hrt it might be every like 14 days maybe twenty-one days. we should see visual progress in the side by sides we just should the training is everything like you said um are built upon with the construction site if the workers are just sitting there waiting around for things The blueprint of this entire thing is training. So you can get the raw materials from the food, but if there's nowhere for the raw materials to be built because there's not a blueprint, then it's still not really going to be built up. And that blueprint is the training. So you don't have the construction site without the training. You don't have trucks dropping off raw materials. You don't have workers and cranes in there unless the blueprint is in place and approved. And so I I, I absolutely love that analogy. The last thing I want you to touch on real fast here, Corey, I appreciate your time and how much insight there has been today. This is a phenomenal podcast. Um, women are fucking scared to take testosterone. And I'm like, why you got it going on. It's, it's literally inside of you. Women will take Anivar before they take testosterone. Chat with me about this.
0: I think it has to do with this idea that Anivar is temporary. So it's perceived as a lower risk because you're only committing to a cycle. You're committing to, you know, just a, a little period of, you know, growing Hopefully, at best. Maybe. Unlikely, right? Arguably. Like, we, just, we just know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> how <laughs> much data far are we talking? <laughs>
0: yeah, right? And, and also contextually, which you know, I realize this is moving away from the question, is how much muscle are you going to build and how much is that going to actually make an impact on your physique? Because are we talking someone like Maureen, who arguably like maybe maybe she needs a pound, And I'm I'm throwing that out there. It's not something she told me. It's not something Jen told her. But if we're talking objectively, like Ashley Kay, if we're like, they need like a pound or two. Like that's a very small amount versus someone who's competing at the national level, who like arguably they need like eight pounds. And then even then, it might not be the right look. They might need to keep pushing that. Who knows? Depending on height, I could see it. So we're talking about an eight week period, give or take. Are you are you going to build? Five pounds in eight weeks? No, It's you, like it's just it's in. I think the conception that putting Anavar in place will get them from point A to point B, and they won't have to continue taking it. I think it often leads people to kind of dip their toe in the water of PEDs. It's really it. It's become an easier sell when I do just focus on like, hey, Anavar will suppress testosterone sure it can it, it can facilitate higher free test and maybe that's what you want maybe it's not what you want if you're an, if you're an individual whose free test is already on the higher side but you will suppress your your total testosterone which is already going to happen in a contest prep mm-hmm. so you're using it probably incorrectly with the wrong goal in mind it's you know you're using it with this idea that it's like a fat burner probably and you're using it in a state where it can't do the thing that it's best at doing why would you like i can i can i can sink a nail in the wall with the back of a screwdriver i can do it a lot of ways why would i do that like that that it's just asinine and there's justification for having it in place in states where you're not going to be anabolic, but that is more so the exception or or under the right conditions when it's truly indicated from just a pure growth stance. Why not start conservatively if preserving femininity is, is your goal? If that is important to you in some capacity, well then let, let's make sure everything is working correctly and at least at a minimum function before adding something in that inarguably it will reduce your 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 total testosterone production mm-hmm. i i think the hesitation often comes from the belief that they need to be on trt for the rest of their life which i i strongly believe you should mm-hmm. you want to come off it sure you're going to have shitty levels like you had before yep. like that's what we're talking about you want to Consi- you want to persistently be in a state where you're at a disadvantage in a sport where it is largely based on structure and genetic and a potential to pace themselves why would you have low test while you're doing this mm-hmm. i get for younger athletes there's a higher degree of consideration but testosterone in itself testosterone being relative being within range it is not a hindrance on fertility like it's it's not a hindrance in the way that I think people perceive it being low test or being too high. That long-term can have effects, but more specifically, if you have someone who's suppressed uh, from the, the whole axis as a whole, you can't tell me that that person isn't already putting themselves at risk for infertility, let alone looking at how long they want to compete, the degree of measures they want to take with competing. So I find it, I find it really hard when someone comes to me. They're like, "I'm willing to take Anavar, not willing to take tests." I'm like, I don't feel bad recommending this because you're willing to do something, and you probably already, you probably would do something if I wasn't in the picture. Mm-hmm. That ultimately is going to set you down a path that you, you don't have an understanding of, but also is not, not necessarily getting you where you want to go, uh, at least all well efficiently.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Beautifully said. I I think to even maybe broaden that message, which I I, I know that you'll agree with is even outside of bodybuilding, why would you ever want to be at a disadvantage as a human and have low testosterone anywhere in life? As someone who might never want to compete that's listening to this show, fascinated by the information, we appreciate you being here and making it to this point. Yet, why the hell would you want to be low T uh, male, female? We know what testosterone does for things like drive, for purpose, for sex, for mental cognition. We know what testosterone does in terms of us just simply being capable human beings. It blows my mind that there's people out there that don't want to take control of that, maintain control of that, and leverage the one thing that can truly be put into your body that gives you A head start on everybody else who's not using it, not just physically. It blows my mind. It makes my brain hurt because I just I want to get through to people because there's still misconceptions around it. It's still scary. I gotta do this forever. I man, it's not that hard. I just did my injection this morning and I couldn't possibly be feeling better. I'm feeling good. I got a head start. (laughs) Like it doesn't make sense to me and it never will, Corey. You brought some amazing insight to this show. Now, where can the new fans go to follow you and see more of your work?
0: Well, thank you so much for having me on and indulging me in some really, really deep conversations here. I think sometimes these podcasts can revolve solely around the ins and outs of PED use. And I'm so glad we got to unpack the psychosocial behind yeah. why decisions are made uh, for listeners. If they're interested in checking out my content, uh, Instagram, Corey, Cory, C O R Y underscore F I T, Coryfit.com uh, I do have two webinars coming up, depending on when this goes out, I'll probably have more dates posted on the next one. So stay on the lookout for that um, for coaching. Hit me up in the link in my bio. Um, and for consultations. I don't just do coaching. I do offer services that allow us to review what you're currently doing and potentially consider whether or not there are modifications that can be made for better outcomes. So uh, thank you so much. i really enjoyed this.
1: Good, Corey. Grow or die. Thank you so much. We'll see you soon. Make sure to check the show notes. All for information will be in there. Love y'all. Peace.